0: This is a Colored Pencil Podcast, session number 63. Welcome to Sharpened Artist, a Colored Pencil Podcast, where we discuss in detail all things in and around colored pencils and the colored pencil artist. And now your hosts... Lisa Clow and John Middick. Hello, my name is John Middick, and I am joined once again by my co-host Lisa Clow of Lockery Fine Art. What I- greetings and salutations, Lisa?
1: Oh, I like that intro. Good one. <laughs> like that? I'll I don't do really
0: that have every- to I'll do that every single week with the same intonation in my voice. How's that?
1: That would be impressive, actually. If you could manage that, although I have a feeling you I'll would just record it, copy and paste it from <laughs> there the we previous recording. That's exactly
0: right. <laughs> oh, man. So this is a show where we discuss colored pencils, and we talk it out every single week on Monday, rain or shine. So, Lisa, what are we talking about today?
1: We are back answering some more questions from our listeners.
0: Okay, what software do you use to edit and compile your YouTube videos of your colored pencil works. So, clearly, this is directed at you, Lisa. Unless somebody's dying to know how I did my two videos on YouTube.
1: Well, I use Power Director 12. It's an older version. They've got newer ones out, but from what I've seen, the upgraded versions don't have any added bonuses for the way I work. So I just stick with Power Director 12. And you can actually buy that new on Amazon for like $35. Wow. There are some, it's not the best in the world, but myself and many of you know who Jason Morgan is. He's a wildlife artist. We have tried several between the two of us, him more so than I. And this is the one that we've both come to and been more comfortable with a lot of the features for what we need to use it for he's used a lot of way more expensive programs and they just had too many things that he didn't like about them i don't know exactly what they were but both of us are using PowerDirector 12 and again there are occasionally problems with it where things will freeze up and part of that's your computer but part of it is there's a a bit of a redraw issue sometimes i figured out how to work around it just from trial and error but um yeah that's what i'm using the next question, can you blend your colored pencil without using paint thinner? Important for those of us with lung disease. I use Zested Pencil brand. I've never used paint thinner, so I cannot compare it, but I am satisfied, and it should be toxic-free. You absolutely can blend without paint thinner. Many artists do. Heather Rooney doesn't use it. Wendy Lane doesn't. Most, actually, a lot of artists I know don't use it. You can. It's a different thing process, and watching another artist do a lot of layering without it, it just takes a lot longer. You can get the same end result. It's not that there's a big difference in the end. M- using the odorless mineral spirits, it saves a lot of time. Now, you part of this question, I'm not sure if this is from a different person or the same That's person. The same it person. said, I use Zest It says, I use Zest It pencil blend. I never used paint thinner, so I cannot compare it, but I am satisfied and it should be toxic-free. I want to throw this out there. People like to use the whole idea of things being natural as meaning that they're safer. And as big of a fan as I am, that I am with natural stuff. Like, I go to a natural doctor. Everything for me. Natural is a big deal. But being natural doesn't always mean safer. And you need to understand that. I tried a natural lavender type of paint thinner recently. and Or it was last year. It closed up my lungs and my throat. Like, I felt like I was having a hard time breathing. And that was non-toxic but it was sure as heck an irritant. So, you know, you can't just assume that because something is natural or non-toxic that it's not going to cause problems for you. I just want to throw that out there and say you have to be careful. Don't just assume non-toxic means safe because it doesn't necessarily. Now, with the paint thinner, I can't tell you what is or is not safe for you. That is something between you and your doctor. I can say I am very sensitive. Everything gives me a headache, and I've never had a problem with my Mona Lisa odorless mineral spirits or Gamsol, which I'm pretty sure is pretty much exactly the same product. Um, I'm sure there's some differences, and somebody's going to correct me, but they work exactly the same. They're both totally odorless. I can't tell a difference. You have to decide what's best for you but no using paint thinner is by like absolutely not the only way to blend with colored pencil right
0: yeah let me just piggyback on that real quick um yeah when i first started using solvents i several years ago i tested all of these different ones for a while i was i was one of these that overanalyzed and never produced anything and i would test all kinds of stuff and i've found that i liked gamsel the best and like lisa said they're all about the same Um, My advice would be just pick one and stick with it and don't keep changing because what I noticed is there's a color shift in different directions with different ones. And I don't remember all the specs. I don't remember what all of them did. But I noticed there was a difference in different um, uh, solvents that I would use and test and they would shift the color uh, certain ways, and not all of them did it the same way. That's and, interesting. Yeah, and so I just stuck with Gamzol. I liked Gamsel and I don't remember all the reasons why, but I thought, okay, it's good enough, <laughs> you know, and I just I just went with it. But to, 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 to your point, Lisa, and this is absolutely correct, it doesn't change anything other than the fact that you're speeding up your process quite a bit. Um, you're speeding it up on the one hand, but you're also in some ways you're you're kind of complicating uh, your process just a little bit because you you've got to you got to pay attention to what you're doing with that and and you got to let it dry. You don't want to damage your paper and that kind of thing. The process, as far as color is concerned, is the same. And covering the the area with the pencil is still the same. It does just speed it up quite a bit. And as we all know, colored pencil just takes forever. So any kind of shortcuts you can use, and I always, nearly always use Gamsel when I'm doing hair. Uh, for one thing, I just hate doing hair. I just want to get it over with. And uh, so I always try to use it for, for that. But yeah, I mean, use good, you know, um, common sense and read the label and uh, use a lid and uh, use it sparingly. Oh,
1: absolutely. You know? That's a big one. Yeah. All right. But And you can keep the fan on. And I don't want to tell you, if you've got lung disease, I'm not going to say it's safe for you. I don't yeah, know. Right, you right. need to talk with your doctor. But- For the rest of us, you know, we've got to use common sense, too. Having a ceiling fan on can help. Keeping the lid on, like John said, big deal. And I've watched people work with their paint thinner, and they'll leave the lid open, like, for hours while they're working. No, put the lid on it. Leave that lid on when you're not actually using it. You don't need to have that lid off. It's not safe. Plus, it's really common to have a pet walk by if you've got a cat and that cat walks by it's odorless. They may take a few licks before they realize this tastes terrible, and it can kill mm-hmm, them. Mm-hmm. So, use common sense for sure. That's yeah. a big one.
0: All right. Are you an alien? Your art is simply too gorgeous. Uh, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not an alien. I can't speak for Lisa, but uh, this isn't addressed to me anyway because. Uh, I'm sure whoever wrote this can do art just as well as I can. So anyway, that's funny. That's a that's a funny one. All right.
1: <laughs> I am an yeah, alien.
0: Yeah, I knew you were.
1: Actually, no, it's not so much that I'm alien, I'm half fay.
0: There we go. Okay. <laughs> Best ways to use colored pencil on canvas. Have you ever done that? I've done that.
1: I've not just because the canvas is so rough yeah. and it will eat through your pencils like crazy, which may work. I've just not used it yet. That is probably something I've got some small took, watercolor canvas boards that I need yeah. to test it on. I just haven't. I took a
0: workshop and uh, we used uh, Fredericks canvas, uh, the the panel, you know, and yeah, it, the watercolor, yeah, yeah, board. the watercolor canvas. It was it was pretty interesting. Um, he was teaching it that you use solvents, you know, as you're doing it. It was it was fun um and he actually applied the solvent in uh on the brush to the pencil um you know the the point of the pencil huh. and then would take the brush and then paint with the brush and apply it you know directly to the canvas yeah it was it was kind of neat i i kind of liked that, it
1: i actually wonder how well that would work with doing um that method with the don't hate me prismacolor art sticks
0: because yeah, those are big yeah.
1: sticks that would I'm think going it, to I try think it that. would I, I think, think it would work in, though, really well.
0: Tell. Yeah. I, I yeah, you know, yeah. I would like to get him on to 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 interview.
1: So, our next question. How do you get decent points on your pencils without sharpening the pencil away every time?
0: What I do is I use a very good uh, pencil sharpener that you, you can kind of tell, you can kind of feel it as you're sharpening it that it's already sharpened. Uh, it's not one of those that pushes a pencil backward like you uh, have often with electric sharpeners. This is a manual sharpener because I like the long point that it gives me. It's called the Derwent Super Point Pencil Sharpener. And it,
1: oh, I've not tried that it's one. Really, I've been using the Coombe long-pointed pencil It's really gardener. good.
0: But then the other thing that I do is I use sandpaper, and when my uh, lead gets a little bit dull, then I just take about three strokes, uh, vertical strokes with that sandpaper, and it gives me another razor-sharp edge that I can use a little bit longer. And I don't eat up pencils very quick if I do that.
1: Yeah, I do the same as you. All right. I mean, besides, obviously, the different brand name on the long-pointed pencil yeah.
0: So how are you preparing the gessoed surface to use with powder blender? Airbrushed on and nothing else? Sanded as well? Thanks.
1: I'm just airbrushing it on. You don't need to sand it. There's no need to. Because you sanding it would get rid of the texture. We want the texture. So, yeah, I just airbrush it on, and that's it. I thin out the gesso with water. Stir it up really well and so it's about the consistency of milk hmm. and then I just airbrush it right onto the paper. I have
0: to try that. I haven't tried that yet. That sounds interesting.
1: It's the best way to achieve realistic fur texture, the sort wolves have around their neck.
0: I've never drawn a wolf. That that would be something yeah, if I drew that, could I no, never mind. That wouldn't work. I was thinking maybe I could convert it, get yeah, I could do a print of it and then have a t shirt made of it. That'd be cool. A wolf howling <laughs> at the moon. I'd love that. <laughs>
1: That is really original. I've not seen one no, like that, so I really you think ne- that never you should seen that? do yeah. that. <laughs>
0: I'm sure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now, for creating realistic fur texture, here's the thing no matter what texture you're trying to create, there's no magic secret. You copy oh, what you see in your reference photo. What a I, I know joy. that's not the answer anyone ever wants. I know, right? There's no secret magic Fine. thing with it. Break it down one section at a time will make it easier. But you're going to copy what you see. Working upside down can sometimes help. Because when we do fur or hair... There you go it, again. Always think, suggesting okay, people stand on their head. Yeah. So if you if you can work upside down, it tricks your brain into seeing things more accurately as abstract Yeah, because all the blood you're flows you're working on your fur... Or roses or whatever it is, flowers, you want to look at it in terms of abstract shapes. Don't look at it as fur because that's going to get more confusing. Look at the abstract shapes and copy what you see.
0: Yeah, and for me, I mean I've not drawn this, but just in general when you're uh, drawing anything, especially if it's something abstract, it does help to trick your brain into thinking about sometimes the negative space as well, the things that are around the things that you're trying to draw and you think, oh, that over there is, let me me think how to describe this. For instance, if I'm drawing an eye, an eyeball, um, I'm thinking about that angle of where the tear duct and the uh, upper eyelid and the lower eyelid are. And I'm thinking about that angle, that particular angle that I'm seeing. And I'm not thinking about, I'm drawing this white part of this uh, eyeball right here. So you can do that with any other thing that you may be drawing but then the other thing is it does help to think about the object the thing that you're drawing because you want it to look like what you're drawing so you want to think about whatever that object that subject matter is as well
1: and i think a big one with drawing fur go slow don't try there's no fast way this is not a fast process Go slow. Do one little section at a time and focus on that little section. Where are your lights? Where are your darks? Pay attention to those values and where the fur clumps together. That's another thing. A lot of people want to try to draw the fur or hair in a whole bunch of individual pencil strokes.
0: Yeah, I can't do that. That
1: looks terrible. I mean, if you're drawing a zombie wolf, it's perfect. Right. But if you're trying to make it look realistic, look at the way that the fur clumps together. Get a reference photo. Look at how that is clumping, how, how the fur falls. Where is the short fur? Where? Is the long fur? What direction is the fur moving in? You've got to pay attention to all of these things and making it look realistic. And again, it just goes back to look at your reference photo, copy what you see.
0: Mm -hmm. All right. Do you have any tips or techniques to help render matted fur? Did we just do that? Same thing. Yeah, okay.
1: it's It's really the same thing.
0: All right. So, how much should you practice on your art each day or week to get good? How do we get good? What's the secret?
1: More practice. More practice and as much time as you have.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Here's something that that happened with me. I went for a long time with, um, several years ago, with not drawing anything, but thinking about drawing and looking at references and thinking, oh, that'd make a good drawing. That'd make a good drawing. And I just never picked up the pencil. And... Then I came across something, and I don't. It was, it was a blog post or something, and this person was talking about writing and how it was a discipline that they would get up and write for 15 minutes every day. And I thought, mm-hmm. Why, I'm so dumb. Why don't I do that with drawing? I love drawing, and when I sit down and draw, I love it, and I don't, I don't want to stop. I thought, I'll just do that. And so i got to tell you, I've been doing that for the past, I don't know, maybe year and a half, something like that. I, and I, here's what happens. I've got, I printed out a physical copy of a calendar. And I just, most of the time I use a red pencil and I just check it off. I put a big red X and I look back and it just fuels my success to know that tomorrow I'm going to draw again. And that's good. That's a good practice. It's just a good habit. And I don't want to break the chain. I've created this chain now. I don't want to break it. I don't want to stop. Now, sometimes I'm only yeah. drawing for 30 seconds. Because it's the
1: same as going to the gym. Yeah,
0: it is. Or drinking your water or whatever it is. Um, so I've got these sketchbooks just scattered everywhere that, that I happen to be. And I just pick them up, and I just don't want to break that chain anymore. And so sometimes, you know, I'm not real. I'm just kind of doodling sometimes, or I'm practicing like fading or something like that. Uh, sometimes I don't really have a purpose, but it's just building up muscle memory, and it's just it's just a good practice. And one book that I could recommend uh, that is non art related, but I got a lot of good use out of it, and it kind of talked about this sort of thing, is a book by Charles Duhigg called The Power of Habit. And it was more confirmation, perhaps, for me than anything else. But I, because I'm a person, I'm, some people would call it boring. I'm just, I, I'm, I have routines. If I don't have routines in my life, then nothing gets done um, because I don't want to take up mental bandwidth to do things that I need to just get done. So I plan them out. I get up at the same time nearly every day. I drink my coffee at the same time nearly every day. I do, do everything the same. And it just makes it to where. I think I can be more creative in other areas that I want to be because I tell myself, this is, this is who I am. These are the habits I want in my life. And so then I can incorporate those because I've decided, you know, I've determined ahead of time what I'm going to be doing. So I hope that helps.
1: Yeah, it's funny. I think as artists, so many of us don't like that idea of a schedule. I hated it. I wanted to be free to do what I wanted. I mean, I'm an artist. I want to do this. But then I realized, you know what? I'd rather be successful than free. Um... Because free doesn't pay my bills. And so I had to get on that schedule and tell myself, this is what I'm doing at this hour. This is what I'm doing at this. And there's some flexibility, of course. But, you know, having – you're right. Having that definite, this is what I'm doing with this, it kind of reminds me. It's funny that you say that about getting used to or getting in the habit of doing certain things. I went on a sugar binge where I could do nothing but eat, like all I wanted to eat was sugar. And that really with my health problems is the worst thing I can do. (laughs) And it took me so long, six months. I kept going, okay, I'm going to give it up except on this day. I'm going to give it up. But on Fridays, (laughs) I'm going to cheat. I couldn't do it. I had to go all or nothing. But once I got into it a few days and then a few more days and then a few more days, now it's natural to me. And now I'd feel so guilty if I had that cookie. So it does get easier and it does turn into an actual habit. You just have to get. Through the initial right. starting, right?
0: Oh, that's absolutely correct. And and here's the thing about it. And it, and look, I'm this. I hope this doesn't come across preachy. This is all out of love. I want the most success for you. And if you're doing art as a hobby, I want the most hobby, the best. <laughs> I want the best hobby practice that that you can muster up. Uh, it'll. It's you're gonna be doing something that you love anyway, and you know you love it, so you want to do it. The thing is, if you practice with some purposes in, in mind and you think to yourself, okay, I want to practice fading from a dark value with one pencil to a light value, or I want to practice pencil pressure, or I want to practice, uh, you know, whatever it is, uh, this, uh, this sphere or this uh, square, or practice shapes. Uh, I tell you the best thing to do to get better with portraits is to practice uh, drawing shapes. But anyway, if you become a person that just lives your values every day and you start doing the things that you know you want to do anyway, then there, you feel like you're you're being confined at first, but then there's this freedom that comes with it. It's just like getting your finances in order too. If you just if you go to a scheduled billing on your on your electric bill and water bill, I don't know how we got off on that. But anyway, what happens is um, <laughs>
1: same reason I got off on not <laughs> right. even
0: But what happens is it just makes everything so much easier. You can be creative in the areas you want to be creative in because your mental bandwidth isn't taken up with all this detail that that you you know figure out what socks you're going to wear and you know the week ahead of time or the night before or whatever don't don't okay, sit now and that's stress getting a bit
1: too <laughs> too much for me
0: don't sit and stress about all these things that you could have just figured out and so that's that's the way i'm looking at sketching so i just sketch with a graphite pencil most of the time or colored pencil or an ink pen and it's just something that i just want to you know i just want to practice and so i know i'm going to do that because i told myself i'm going to
1: yeah, and just the more, the mo- just the most amount of time you're able to put into it, the better. Yeah. It, there's no yeah. set, like you need to do it from this hour to this no. hour. You need to figure out what works for you, right. and the more, the better. And
0: every day may not work for you, and that's perfectly fine. Do once a week or something, or once a month, whatever.
1: Yeah, I don't draw on Fridays. I don't. That's one day I can't do it, so it's not something that I'm able to do every day.
0: That's cool. I don't wear socks on Fridays.
1: How do you get your blacks to be really black with colored pencils? You and I work completely different Yeah, we have so different we've philosophy got two tips on for you that then.
0: a little bit. Yeah. Go ahead or, or do you want me to start? Okay. Well, for <laughs> me,
1: I do use a lot of black in my work. But I almost never leave it simply black. I've always got blue and, well, normally it's going to to be blue and red. If I need it to be really dark, I mix blue and red in with that black um, on top of it and then the black over it. And I'll go back and forth until it gets as deep as I want. But whenever I use black, almost every single time there's another color mixed in with it so that it doesn't come out looking flat.
0: Yeah, and yeah, this is just a, a difference or preference of preference or whatever. Because here, here's the thing: there there are artists that that use black a lot, and there's some that don't. And I noticed also, um, you know, I hate to keep bringing up Cecile Baird, but she's another one that she pushes those values. She has a real bright white, usually, a or a bright, um, a very uh, light hue. Um, if it's not white, it's like a, a pink or a yellow or green or whatever. And then she has a deep, rich black. And I think I think she said she does use black sometimes, but she layers just like you, Lisa, with other colors as well. I am one of those artists that I, I, I just don't like... I don't like that extreme of a a contrast. And black is just too stark. It's just too much of a contrast for me. And I don't like how it just makes everything flat for me. I like things to be – because I don't see black. You don't see black in in real life and in nature typically. You see other colors most of the time. And so I like to just use other colors to create my blacks. Uh, dark colors, and I don't say that I never use blacks. Once in a while, I might use a black. I just like the look of. I got to be honest. I like middle values more than I like anything. I like it when there's a subtle transition of values more than I like real harsh. Um,
1: yeah, you and I are so awesome.
0: Yeah, on yeah. That. I mean, that's just. Give personal me the contrast. Preference.
1: I want more contrast. Yeah,
0: yeah. And I, I like little subtle contrast. Um, that, that just excites me a little bit more, but whatever. I mean, it's just different, different preferences, all. So, with colored pencil, it is tricky. It's harder to get a dark, rich uh, look to your work. And you do have to use uh, multiple layers. For me, it's always a blue and a red, uh, and then maybe a green or something like that. But yeah, if you're using black, that would speed it up quite a bit.
1: Yeah, and I do think that the black um, the black polychromos is going to be the darkest. At least that's the one that seems to be darkest for me between that and the luminance or even prismacolor. I definitely like my black polychromos the best. And part of that is probably because it is more translucent. So when I'm layering with other colors, you're really seeing those through more. So I feel like I can get it to be much darker with that pencil mixed with the other colors than I can some of the wax-based pencils mixed with other colors or even especially like the uh, Lyra Rembrandt, that black is so weak. It does not get dark enough for me, Whereas, not anywhere near like with the polychromosable. So the type of pencil or the brand of pencil you're using may make a difference too.
0: What brand of colored pencils do you recommend for starting off and learning to work with them? I'm thinking of price, quality, and also a number of shades. Do I need a 150-piece kit to learn? I guess it would be unnecessary. Thanks in advance for your reply. Um. You know, you could buy thousands of pencils, but I don't really think you need that many. And it's something Lisa and I've talked about uh, in the past. I think you could start out with, you know, three to six if you wanted to. Um, mm-hmm. And you could you could do some decent work because, again, it's more about uh, the values and, and how you're applying uh, the shades that you do have. Now, I would try to just get about... I mean, if you can, I would try to get about six if if that's all that you, uh, that you want. I would get as many as I could because I just have more choices when I do that. Get 72 if you can. But otherwise, and it depends on the pencil brand you're going with, but otherwise just try to get some primaries and then some secondary colors in there. You know, start out small. Start out with something. If you're just learning, start out with a single subject with no background and learn learn these things. You know, you're you're making a study and you're just learning uh, how to use this medium. If this is new to you,
1: yeah. And I think a lot of people will get to where they think that it would be better to get a lower quality pencil so they can have more colors. Because they can't afford that many colors with the higher quality pencils. If I'm teaching somebody, I would much rather them have a handful of quality pencils than a full set of crappy pencils. Absolutely. Because you can't learn the same with the crappy pencils. There is a difference. And I know people will argue, oh, no, it's still learning. You know what? It it doesn't layer the same. Mm -mm. You're not going to learn the same techniques or the same skills. I would much rather somebody spend the same amount and get less pencils, but get quality pencils.
0: Right, right. No, Absolutely.
1: I wanted to ask how you usually use your reference photos. Do you copy them exactly, or do you do some modifications? If you do, what kind of modifications do you usually do? Changing backgrounds, adjusting colors, et cetera. Thanks.
0: This is one of the things that I think is really important to understand when we want to progress and we want to go a little bit beyond a, a beginner stage. Okay, now that is... I do not want to be a photocopiest. Some artists do want to do that, and that's fine. That's their style. That's what they want to do. Every time I look at a photo, I want to change that photo a little bit, if I can, to make my drawing better. Now, it's not to say that I'm not I, that I'm oblivious or don't care anything about my reference photo. I care a lot about my reference photo, and I want it to look just nearly exactly the way that my art piece is going to look. My goal is to make it better than the photo. And how do I do that? One of the things in particular is I think about the way that light would naturally look on the subject matter. So there's two ways that I typically will think about that, but one primarily, and that is, I think about light traveling from top to bottom. I choose reference photos that also feature that type of light source anyway, and I want softer light typically. I don't want harsh shadows because I want something, because most of the time when we're looking around in life and we look at people, we look at trees and nature or whatever the subject matter is, we see light traveling from top to bottom. Now, sometimes a soft light, the second light source that I was going to talk about, is coming from a window or something like that, or it's traveling slightly horizontally, but it's also uh, from an upward direction traveling down. And so I always want to put my brightest area up at the top. If we're talking about a face, then I'm going to ever so slightly make the top of the face the forehead is gonna be brighter than the neck because that's the way light works it travels top to bottom now i don't care what the reference photo tells me if the reference photo has the neck being brighter unless it's specifically designed for that then maybe they're shining a flashlight at their neck or something weird like that but typically i'm going to always do that now it may be so so subtle that nobody really sees it a whole lot but I want people to see that and say wow that's a a great drawing and then I also want to think three dimensionally about my drawing and I want to think about how I can suggest that there is uh, some curvature in something that's curved and uh, suggest to the viewer that something has dimension and it has uh, more, it doesn't look just like this two dimensional image that is uh, static and flat and so I think about those things, and that's, that's a little bit difficult to talk about in an audio version here, but those are, those are some of the things that, that I try to teach when I'm teaching.
1: For me, it completely depends on what I'm working on. There are times where I will copy something almost exactly because I think it is such great practice for your own skills, especially if it's a very strong reference photo. But more often than not, I'm changing the background. I may change my lighting a bit. Um, it, It just depends on everything. I do a lot of surreal work, so obviously I'm changing everything in those cases, but Yeah, usually I like to change the background. And especially if it's a reference photo that I've gotten from somewhere like (laughs) wildlifereferencephotos.com where a lot of different artists are going to be using the same reference photo. If my background is completely different, then my artwork is completely different than anybody else's, even though we use the same photo of a cheetah or whatever it is. So I normally will adjust stuff. There have been exceptions to that. There's a flamingo that I've got. Uh, framed on my own wall that I had painted or I did in colored pencil and I copied it almost exact, exact to that reference photo. I changed very little. It it was such a strong reference photo and I thought it looked like fun to copy. That's just what sounded like fun to me that time. And, you know, of course I did the tutorial. Excuse me. Of course, I did the tutorial on that, so it worked for that as well. But other people have done that same photo, and it, all of our work looks the same. So to me, it doesn't make sense for all for me to always copy reference photos. Again, depending on where I took them or got them from, um, if it's a reference photo I took myself, I may copy it a lot more exact because no one else is going to have that reference photo. Okay, I can't always say that now because now I'm sharing those with Patreon a lot. And so a lot of (laughs) people are using the same reference photos that I took myself. But I mean, it it just depends on those type of things because I do want my work to still feel more unique. So if I'm using the same reference photo as everybody else and using the same background as everybody else, there's nothing at all unique about mine. So more often than not, I'm going to change at the minimum the background. Again, there are always exceptions, but normally that's the very least that I will change. I'm working on a design right now. that I, It's actually a cheetah that I got from wildlifereferencephotos.com. I'm changing the background. I'm adding goldfish, yes, to a cheetah. I'm doing a lot of different things. So th- there I'm changing tons of things. I'm going to change the lighting on the cheetah. I'm really only using this one because I like the, the position that the cheetah is sitting in. But everything else is getting changed on that.
0: Now, Michelle, I just want to say that if if uh, you're asking this question, then chances are I'm going to make a leap here. I'm going to guess that maybe you're um, not satisfied with um, just leaving, you know, just copying a photo. So I want to encourage you to also then, if you want to do this, take your own photo references and try to uh, start going in that direction. That'll challenge you even more. Um, so you can do it.
1: Yeah, because then it's your art from start to finish. Yeah. Even if you copied that reference photo exactly, you right. took the photo right. that was a form of art all in its own, exactly. and now you're then making art from it. So even if you copy it exactly start to finish that's your art the
0: feeling of satisfaction when you do that oh yeah it's, it's so huge
1: good. and so you good. may not realize that when, I mean I didn't realize how much I was going to enjoy working for my own reference photos until I started going to the zoo and getting some of these photos for and myself and the yeah. sense of pride I mean yeah. I'd be proud of the work that I completed anyway right. but when it was a photo of a flamingo that I just got the best lighting and I loved everything about it and then yeah. I got to paint my own oh yeah I was way more proud of myself than I normally would that's
0: be it's awesome and as always, you can check out the show notes over there at sharpenartist.com slash podcast. And if you would like to contribute, leave a question for us. You can do that at sharpenartist.com slash a If you want to just reach out to us, tell us what a poor job we're doing. You can do that at <laughs> podcast at We want to ask a huge favor. Tell someone else about the show. We'd really appreciate that. Tweet about it.
1: Somebody else who actually likes colored pencils though. Yeah. Otherwise it really doesn't do
0: much good. Yeah, there you go. Let's qualify that just a little bit. <laughs> and if you want to continue the discussion, we do that over there on Facebook in the Colored Pencil Podcast group. Thank you very much for joining us. We really appreciate you if we haven't said it lately. And we'll talk to you again next week.
1: Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode.
0: All the show notes can be found at www.sharpenedartist.com. Hello, my name – no, we got to count. <laughs> <laughs> One, two, three. All right. Um, what was the
1: next? This could go downhill really fast.
0: <laughs> okay, what are we doing next? Let's see. You
1: know, on this All next right, question, so, um, yeah, I don't know thing- what the- – this person's talking about, I have oh. never experienced anything like that, so I don't know how to answer it, other than okay, well, I'm let's, pretty sure you're uh... doing something wrong.